what does surrender look like and mean for you? What does surrender look like and mean for you? And we just sang as our third song today, the everything and nothing less. I surrender all. And it got me thinking, first service, this wasn't even supposed to be part of the message. And I told Jake in between services, thanks for giving me half of the message material talking about I surrender all. Because a claim like that has bold implications when we sing it. And then it got me thinking about a question that one of my college professors asked me. Do we think about the theology, the knowledge about God, within the worship music that we sing so freely on Sundays and throughout the week? Do we actually think and stop about what we're singing? And if so, then do we mean it? Because so many of us just now are singing those words, I surrender all, but do we actually mean that? And if so, then the question again, what does surrender look like and mean for you? We've been in this series called Galatians, choosing freedom for the past now four weeks. And this is one of my favorite series that we've done this year. And I've been looking forward to this because we're spending six weeks walking through the six chapters of the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians. And if this is your first Sunday, a part of this series, I want to strongly encourage you to go onto our YouTube page, hashtag add Crossbridge Community Church on YouTube, and listen to the rest of the series. Uh, because we have held nothing back, because neither did Paul. You see, this letter, Galatians, was written as a full letter to the churches in Galatia, which is now modern-day Turkey, and what they believe was anywhere from 44 to 50 A.D., and it was written with rage, written with rage. Paul is furious. You see, in Acts chapter 14, in Paul's first missionary experience out to the world, uh, in minor Asia, he is going and planting churches. He plants these churches in Galatia under the Jesus gospel, saying that, hey, you are now free from all of the laws of the old covenant, and you are now called to live under the new covenant, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two things, you then accomplish everything that Jesus fulfilled in the Old Testament. Well, sometime later, Paul then goes off and he starts planting other churches around the world. And traditional Jews leave Jerusalem, go to Galatia, and start spreading a new gospel, which actually wasn't new. It was the old gospel, the old Jew Jewish gospel that said, hey, that Jesus guy sounds great, but you still need to fulfill and do all of the 600 plus laws in the old covenant. And so you need to be circumcised to have salvation. You need to eat kosher to have salvation. You need to take a Sabbath to have salvation. And Paul gets wind of this, and he's furious. And so he writes this letter to the Galatians. And it is a letter, like I said, written with rage, because there truly is now only one gospel. It's not the Jewish gospel. It's the Jesus gospel. And if Paul was writing to our churches today, as we've said throughout this whole series, I think this letter is perfect for modern Christianity. If he's writing to the church today, he would say, hey, we're not following the American gospel. We're following the Jesus gospel. And you can fill America with any country, any political system, any dictatorship, any party, 
That's not the gospel that we are called to follow. It truly must only be the Jesus gospel. And so what does surrender look like to you? As I was processing the material today, Galatians chapter 4, the chapter that we're walking through, an entire chapter dedicated to battling idolatry. I, uh, a couple months ago, as I was, you know, really trying to get my life in order for 2021 to try to be as healthy, one of my, my New Year's goals this year was priorities. And it was attempting to get my life as healthy physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, because I believe they're all connected. And so I started doing prayer time each day and uh, to start my day in the morning. And a couple months ago, God placed these two truths on my heart. He said, Jordan, you're not the best, and it's not all about you. I was like, yeah, you're not wrong, but why you got to say it like that, God? <laughs> like, like, Jordan, you're not the best, and it's not all about you. And that hits hard. <laughs> that is a hefty truth. And so the title of the message today, if you're a note taker, um, if you're watching online, I want you to write this down. It's guard your heart. Guard your heart. You see, because what I just described with my heart issue was I, with idolatry was pride. You're not the best and it's not all about you. And that is the thing that I daily have to surrender and sacrifice. And so we're going to be walking through Galatians chapter 4, an entire chapter designed to say, hey, if you're going to choose freedom, you have to surrender. If you're going to choose freedom, you have to sacrifice. And in this chapter specifically, Paul is writing about idolatry and about sacrificing and surrendering the idols each and every day. And so if you want to turn with me to Galatians chapter 4, I'm actually going to be using my phone today, the YouVersion Bible app. Um, if you don't have it, hashtag second ad of the day. You're just getting a bunch of ads today. We got the YouTube channel. We got the YouVersion Bible app. But I'm using this today primarily because my Bible only has two bookmarks, and we're walking through three, pa three passages today. And so we're going to be all over the place, and it's so much easier to just flip through my phone than it is to try to remember which book comes in what order of the Bible. If you don't know your Bible, if you don't have your books memorized, no worries, neither do I, and I'm paid to have them memorized. All right, so Galatians chapter 4, Paul is writing with fury in verse 8. Here we go. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual practices of this world? You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. Paul says you're trying to earn favor by doing certain things, which was all what the Old Covenant, the Old Testament was all about. You had to do A to earn B. You had to follow the laws to earn grace and God's love. The new covenant that we now live under says, hey, it's backwards. It's flipped. Now you have freely received A, so you need to follow the laws. It's not do this to receive that. It is you've received this, now do that. And so Paul's saying, hey, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and spiritual powers of this world? You are trying to do things to earn God's love. Verse 11, I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. And this is where he starts to get hurt and upset. 
Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from the law. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought the good news to you. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Jesus Christ himself. Verse 15, where is that joy and grateful spirit you felt then? Where did it go? I'm sure you would have taken out your own eye and given to them, given it to me, even if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I am telling you the truth? Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor. Those false gods, those false idols are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They are trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. Verse 18, if someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right. But let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. And then verse 19, Paul shares his internal struggle. He says this, my dear children, I feel as if I am going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your life. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone. But at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. I wish I were with you right now so that I could change my tone. But at this distance, I don't know how to help you. Paul, like I said, in those 12 verses, Paul's writing about idolatry. He's saying, you're serving gods that aren't even there, that don't even truly exist. You are serving things that are not of this world. And it brings up this quote from a pastor that I follow, an author that I appreciate, um, and read his book a long time ago. Uh, the book, it's called God's at War, lowercase g. God's at War by Kyle Eidelman. And he writes each chapter about a different idol that is daily fighting to take captive your heart. And in the quote, he says this, the opposite of theism, which is the belief in a god or gods, is not atheism, which is the disbelief of a god or gods. The opposite of theism is not atheism. It's idolatry. It's serving gods that are not the god. The opposite of theism is not atheism, it's idolatry. And that just got me thinking, and actually that's why Solomon writes how important this is in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where he says, guard your hearts above all else. Guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And that is a strong implication. If you don't like the direction that your life is going, then you have a heart issue then you have a heart problem. Then you are battling something with idolatry. Guard your hearts above all else. For that determines the direction of your life. You see, idolatry defined is worshiping anything or anyone that is not of God and that is not God himself. Idolatry is worshiping anything or anyone who is not God. And Paul is desperately trying to get the Galatians to understand this. You're serving the law, Galatians. 
you're serving sex. You're serving things that are not of this world. The Corinthians, you're serving food. You're serving other gods. You're serving calves, gold, iron, metal, silver. And we actually have quite a few similar idols for us today, but then we have some different ones in 2021. But the truth remains the same. And so here are some examples. As I was wrestling with this message this past week, I asked our youth pastor, Trevor, I uh, just appreciate his wisdom. I said, hey, what do you think are some of the um, some of the idols that our country, specifically America, struggles with today. And we listed, obviously, some of the, the uh, similar ones that we see in the Bible. You've got, you've got lust, you've got pride, you've got money. Money in and of itself is not a bad thing, but Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to inherit heaven because of what money can do to the heart. And if generosity is not a part of your life, then money may be an idol. Then you've got food, and I know we joke about food a lot, but it is no laughing matter that we are the most obese country in the world. And so many of us idolize food and what we put in our bodies. And truth be told, as I've studied um, mental health specifically, what we put in our bodies directly impacts our mental health. And that's why it was so important for me to get my physical health, and check this year because of my battle with anxiety and depression. And so if you're someone who is struggling with those areas of your life, but the things you're putting in your body are not healthy, you can't expect a healthy output. And so those are some of the similar gods that um, we see, you know, with all the, sh- the struggles from the Bible. But then Trevor listed a few that he thinks our culture really struggles with today, one of them being busyness. Busyness is in and of itself an idol, and can become one. Some of us work too much or stay busy or allow our children to do too much. Be in sports every single night of the week and missing out on faith-based practices and faith-based things. And those are what's more important to them. And then when they grow up and they're like, hey, we don't have a faith-based relationship with Jesus, we're like, Why? what happened? Well, seven nights a week. They were doing A, B, C, and D, and that's how they were raised. Busyness can become an idol when it doesn't have boundaries of guarding of the heart. Work can be another idol. Making the right decision. Now, I am not, I am not dumbing down the importance to lean into God with decision making. But so many of us dwell and spend hours and hours dwelling on making the right decision when God just wants our heart wants us to surrender. But now what we're going to enter into for the rest of the idols we're going to share today is something we just uh, branded in first service called tension time. All right? And so I just want to give a fair warning. The next few idols will cause some tension for some of you. And if you feel some of that tension, I want you to ask yourself, okay, is my heart being guarded? Why am I getting upset about these things? Where is the tension coming from? And so just like we did first service, I want to do something. It might be a little weird, but I want you to shake, I want you to shake your arms. All right, here we go. Don't make me look alone out here. Come on, I see. Mark, I'm looking right at you. Okay, you better start. Okay, okay. Whoever's not shaking their arms is going to feel some tension. All right? Okay, I know it's a little goofy, but that's what we did in elementary school. And uh, Paul, like he was writing, he says, hey, I feel like I'm experiencing labor pains because you're still children. So we got, we're all children here. We're still, okay, but I want you to hear the heart of what we're going to share next, because it's going to be tough, and it might frustrate some of you. But remember, idolatry is worshiping anything or anyone 
that is not God. So many Christians, here's the first one, so many Christians idolize America. For just being honest. Idolize politics, both parties, idolize news, social media. And in and of itself, there is not a problem with being patriotic, to have respect, to have appreciation for our country. But too many Christians take it to the act of worship. And then taking the next step, too many Christians idolize the American flag and worship the American flag and the national anthem. Again, having appreciation and respect for those things is not a problem. But it gives off, but if you're wondering if you have too much of an idolatry issue with those areas, ask yourself to go read Exodus chapter 32, where Moses is up on the mountain receiving the Torah from God, receiving the laws, and just down the mountain, he had given Moses, his right-hand man, instruction to lead the people well. And instead, what's happening is they're building a golden calf and worshiping that as their God. Too many Americans idolize America, the flag, the national anthem. And in and of itself, those things are not the problem. But when it becomes an act of worship, that's when it becomes an issue. Well, let's take it a step further. Too many Christians idolize religion. Idolize religion. And if you want any proof, just look at the Crusades. If you're not sure what the Crusades are, you're going to have a fun history lesson when you go home. Crusades were battles led by Christians murdering a ton of people who didn't live and believe like them. Actually, if you want even further proof about idolizing religion, pull out your phone and Google what percentage of Nazis in Germany claim to be Christian. Out of the 60 million in Germany, only 1% were Jewish. The majority of the rest claim to be Christian and were doing things under God. When we idolize religion, those are some of the things that results. But let's take it a step further, and this is one that a lot might struggle with, okay? But remember, idolatry is worshiping anything or anyone that is not God, okay? Christians can and often do idolize the Bible. Christians can and often do idolize the Bible. And here's some examples of that, okay? The Bible has been used for years to justify slavery, the Bible was used for years and still is at times to justify racism. The Bible was used to stop interracial marriage from happening. It was legalized in 1967, but still an issue to this day and frowned upon in different areas of the country. The Bible has been used for homophobia, prejudice against gay people. Bible has been used for misogyny, a bunch of different issues. This has been the defense of the faith, the Bible, the word of God, something so brilliant and so powerful and needs our utmost attention when it is idolized and not interpreted under God's vision, it becomes an idol. The only thing that we should be worshiping is God and God alone. And David writes kind of the benefit of this in Psalms chapter 16. If you want to turn with me there, David writes this, verse 1. Why it's so important for us to only idolize God and to guard our hearts. He says this, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. 
I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. Chasing idols leads to suffering. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion of my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Verse 9, therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. It's always been about God. And the moment we make it about us, the moment we make it about selfish desires, is the moment we lose. And I fail at that. All the time. It is so much easier, as we've talked about throughout this series, it's so much easier to make it about us. It is simple to understand our command. Love God, love others. That's simple. It's five words. Love God, four words. Love God, love others. But the implications of those four words are near impossible to truly live out. But whenever we don't live out those four words, idolatry becomes an issue. And so here's how I want to close today. Okay? You might, be, you might be experiencing some tension right now, some frustration. Okay? You might be wrestling. First, I want you to ask yourself, why is that the case? And what area am I struggling with? And what area might there be some idolatry? Even if you don't want to admit it right now. Remember, anything or anyone that is not God is idolatry. And so I want you to wrestle with that tension. But here's the challenge for this week, okay? Each and every one of us have something different to surrender. Some of you might struggle with pride, like myself. Some of you might struggle with generosity, like others. Some of you might struggle with addictions. Some of you might struggle with worshiping other gods, other idols, other things that are not Jesus alone and God alone. So here is your challenge for this week. And what I really want you to go home and think about each day as something new arises, what is your guard your heart idol? What is your guard your heart idol? What is the thing that you are called to surrender each and every day? Now, here's the reality. It can and probably will change every day and from time to time. That's just the truth, and that's okay. But that's why it's important for us to truly guard our hearts. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we worship you. We praise you, we lift you up. And we recognize, God, that you alone are our fortress. You're the only fortress that offers true protection. But you've called us to surrender all to you. Not just part, not just half, but all of our life to you. So God, we all have idols 
We all have things that we worship that are not of you. And so, Lord, we give those to you. We surrender those to you. And we ask, God, for your guidance each and every day as we guard our hearts. In your name I pray. Amen.